0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, December 12th. It's time for the Power Hour. We've got Pete and Leroy with me today. Bruce is traveling and won't be able to join us. We are live today. Phone lines are open, so pick up the phone and join us. 319-527-6791 is the number to dial. You can also use the Call Now button on your app. That'll get you right in go ahead and line up those calls. We will stay here today for two hours or until we run out of questions. It's totally up to you. I am at my final stop before making it home tomorrow. I'm in Boise. I got in, uh, rolled in about eight o'clock last night and uh, got up nice and early this morning, got some work done got meetings this afternoon and a, uh, dinner tonight. And then I will get up early and head home. I should be home before dinner tomorrow. You know, this trip, it, it almost, I almost made the trip from Nashville to Boise in two days. The first day I got about a thousand miles in, in that first 24 hours. Nice start. Then I got stuck in, uh, Wyoming in a crazy windstorm and sat out uh, almost 24 hours there. I did get to about 200 miles in that day before I had to quit. And then I finished the the trip uh, yesterday. So uh, 200 miles on that third day, but otherwise I made it in almost two days. Couldn't do that with an ELD. But I will tell you, I did it absolutely safely. There was not one time where I was tired or unsafe at all. Sometimes it pays to just listen to your body. Uh, it's been a good trip. Um, yesterday was a little rough. I've still had some snow across Wyoming and a little bit in Utah. Uh, traffic wasn't too bad. I've been running really early in the morning and later at night, so it's been a good trip. I am really, really looking forward to getting home. Uh, by the time I get home, it'll be right at two months and about 5,000 miles. Very productive trip. Got to meet with a lot of our uh, partner companies, did some relationship building. Um, lots of things in the works. We will be talking about them. I am looking forward to the holidays. I'll warn you now, I'm going to be taking some time off the show. I need it. Uh, so probably during the the Christmas and New Year's holiday, I'll probably take at least a week Um, off of the show I'll also be using that time to work on some of the new projects we've got coming up for next year but uh, not a whole lot I'm gonna just uh, take some time and relax all right I'm not gonna waste a whole lot of time this morning because we've got calls already coming in so let's hear from Pete and Leroy and then we will get to your calls and questions keep them coming like I said, we'll stay here for two hours until we run out of questions today. Pete, Leroy, good morning, guys. Good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Doing good. I'm uh, I'm not quite in the same time zone as home, but I'm getting closer.
1: It's been a long trip. I know a week away from home, I'm ready to head back home.
0: Yeah. yeah it's been two, a long time. Two months is a long time. I can't even remember the beginning of the trip. No. That's definitely long.
1: But it was, good it was productive, though.
0: It was very productive. Um, a little crazy, too. I, uh, on f- uh, Saturday morning early is when I left Hendersonville, uh, Tennessee, which is where they got hit with the um, tornado. You were gone by the time it hit? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even see any That's bad weather. When I got up, it was dry. It wasn't raining. It was fairly clear. And um, I didn't have any bad weather getting out of Tennessee at all. But, boy, it must have been right behind me. Good thing you got out of there. Yeah, yeah, I did see um, seventy-five mile an hour winds in Wyoming, though. That'd be tough on the coach. I, I, I it was—it's the worst wind I've ever driven a vehicle in, and it was the—I'm going to use the word afraid. I was, there's no place to get off. I'm not gonna pull over on the side of the highway and then get blown over onto the highway. Um, There weren't really any exits yet. There, the rest areas were slammed full. There was no place to park in any of the rest areas. I ended up driving about two hours. I thought I could get through it. And then as I was getting up to the top there of the pass, it was, it actually started pulling the awnings out away from the coach. And these awnings are, I've got, man, I've got like 80 feet of awnings. I have four big awnings down both sides, they're about 20 feet each, four of them. And it would unroll the awning about two or three feet away from the coach and then slam it back in. And I thought, man, if one of those gets torn up, I'm not going to be able to go anywhere. So I finally decided, and I was down to three and a half miles to the gallon. As my rolling wow. average, yeah. It was just brutal. And um, the trucks were slowed down to like 30 and 35 going up the hills. But even trying to get around them then, because nobody could stay in their lane, it was so gusty. Finally, I got off. I, I parked. Have you ever heard of Buford, Wyoming? It's kind of famous.
1: No, I haven't.
0: So here's, here's what it's famous for. There was a time when they had a, a sign up and it said, Buford, Wyoming, population one. There was one guy who lived there, and he owned. Crazy. Yeah, he owned the little convenience store off the only exit. And then I, I forget what happened. I, I read at one point he, he either died or he moved. So the convenience store is still there, but whoever works there must not live in Buford. So the population was zero. That's where I parked that night. I proclaimed myself mayor for the night. There you go. Yeah. That's
1: good. I've only been in wind like that one time, and we don't get that around here. You know, with the valleys and the hills, we don't get wind right. like that. But I was at the Vegas truck show. I had to run at a bike and, and went up to Utah. And on the way back, I was trying to outrun a storm. Oh, yeah. I was coming south 15 through the River Virgin River Gorge. Yep. And moving pretty good, running 75 80 on the bike. And. Went around the bend and there's a openings there. So you have, you know, you have a hillside at one moment and go around the bend and it's wide open. And it literally took me and the bike to the next lane. Yeah. And I, I had no control over it. And that yeah. scared the crap out of me.
0: That was scary. Well, gorges are known for wind. I live in a gorge, one of the windiest in the country. We're world famous for all of our wind and, and water sports. So I'm used to driving in wind. About 90% of the driving I've done in the last 10 years has been in the gorge. Yeah, and I've driven the coach through the gorge, and it's windy. There's no doubt, and sometimes it's rough, but nothing. I've never experienced anything like this in a vehicle. It was bad. I bet. Hey, I bet. Hey, <laughs> le- coach. Le- le- yeah. Well, this thing's worse than a truck. There's there's no mm-hmm. break anywhere in the wind. It's low to the ground. It's tall. There's there's no gaps anywhere. Um, the wind is just really hard on this thing. I bet. So. L- Leroy, I'm wondering if you're going to remember this. You're the one that's uh, closest to your school days. Why is there so much wind in the gorge? What is the effect? The gorge windy effect. It actually, it, Pete. This this has an effect on engines too. And you, when you hear the name, you'll you'll understand why. Okay. It's called the Venturi effect. When you force yeah. air through a smaller opening, it has to speed up. Like mm-hmm. at a
1: tunnel. Right. So I say not to get in a, well, not a tunnel, but a, um, under an underpass during a, a hurricane what or tornado. Or a tornado. Because it speeds up through there. Exactly. People would try to take refuge underneath the underpass and it uh, makes it worse for them.
0: Yeah, that's a Venturi effect. Did not know that. That's our uh, tip for the day. We learned something. So, uh, Pete, what's on your mind today?
1: Oh, a couple of things. Real quick, um, the schedule. Um, this week and next week's booked up, but we're opening up the week of Christmas. So uh, if anyone needs something um, from Christmas on, we um, can get people in. So just give us a call and we'll get you scheduled in. All right. Good. While I'm getting caught up. I, I read an article. Have you heard of range energy that makes trailers? No. So it's something similar to the Helion, where they have the axle in the back that's electric. Oh, yeah. Okay. You have a battery in the back. I guess I understand your theory behind it, but it it just doesn't make sense. They have a 200-mile range, which is pretty much worthless. Yeah, it is. I mean, other than maybe, you know, the Coke and Pepsi trucks that deliver at the convenience stores would be the only one that would use at your home every night. Uh, charge time, unless you have the fast chargers, 10 and a half hours, which would oh, be fine, you yeah, know, overnight. That,
0: that's kind of long though. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Compared to like 15 minutes to like fill up your truck. With yeah. If, if that really,
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're, if and you get like a thousand miles out of that. <laughs> yeah. Now and, and, is that axle regenerative? Does it gain any power it back? It from- does.
1: So. It does do that, so it works up the kingpin. When you accelerate, the kingpin fuels the pressure, um, and then it would uh, put power to the trailer wheels as you need it, and when you brake, it does the same thing, which will then uh, regenerate the batteries to some extent, and, and they're claiming a three and a half or 3.25 mile per gallon increase, um, but if it's only good for 200 miles, it just limits, you know, where who's going to
2: it's not going to be on for 200 miles, you know, it's, if it's only powering going uphill. Depending then you know, it depends where you're at, of yeah, you yeah. might get a little bit more out of it. Yeah, but it's, still. You'll, if you have someone for a day, it's not going to do them any good. For a small investment of 200,000, you too can gain three miles per gallon.
1: <laughs> so, and, and then that's the other thing uh, that you know, I was reading about. It. Uh, no information on price yet. <laughs> I you know, so, don't want to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, so at this, that this point, affordable. yeah, you got a $400,000 trailer to go 200 miles a day with it. Um, the, it just it seemed to make things, I think with the emissions, the, the, they can go up different ways. It would make it a lot easier. Well, you know, really crack down on the deleted trucks, get them off the road. Right. Uh, right. Get the old trucks off the road. You um, know, the, um,
0: the problem is this. The trucks, They do pollute a lot. The, the problem now is this isn't about emissions anymore. This is just this whole green push. Mm-hmm. This company yeah. probably got a ton of tax money and, and subsidies, and they'll probably get subsidies for selling their vehicles. And what a horribly complicated setup to gain a little bit of fuel mileage once in a while. Did they happen to mention how heavy this thing is? It's going to cut way into your payload, I'll bet.
1: They didn't mention weight. But they did say it does 10,000 foot-pounds of torque, which got to be a misprint. You couldn't keep no. tires on it.
2: No, you no, probably no. – I mean, well,
1: if you think about, like, uh, you know, each wheel doing 20 If your engine makes
2: 1,000 foot-pounds of torque and then you go through a transmission that multiplies that up and then you go through an axle ratio that multiplies it up, you can get 10,000 foot-pounds at the wheels. But, you know, well, it, I think that matters.
0: A bit deceiving. That's very deceiving. Yeah. And then, um, what kind of handling issues might you face on slippery roads?
1: Yeah, I never thought about that one.
0: Because it's Probably going to. Been... Oh. It, it would be trying to accelerate at times, and the the deceleration from the recovery could be an issue on a slippery road. Lock up the wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, and I,
1: I don't think it's. it's answer the only cool feature about this is if you you know have a fleet of trucks um in your home every night there's a uh, shopping cart mode so they could move the trailers around without a truck Oh, okay so every in, right, nice feature you, know, you well, have, have a little yard truck to move stuff around but you know, that's an expensive uh yeah you can probably to go get like a four thousand dollar yard truck <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure versus your
2: eighty thousand dollar self-moving trailer yeah. and that's for one trailer so if you had yeah. a fleet. You'd have
0: to buy a fleet of trailers. You know, you know. It's just like I don't know if it adds up. No, I don't think so. Well, here's part of the problem for long haul over the road fleets. Their typical ratio is three to one trailers to trucks. That that's typical. That's why you don't. Oh, wow. That's why you don't see them do a lot of fuel saving devices on their trailers, because the return on investment gets cut by a by two-thirds, or or it extends. Mm -hmm. It takes you two-thirds longer to get your return on investment because you're buying three trailers for every one truck. So if it gets three miles per gallon better, so then you're saying
2: it's only one mile per gallon better once it it, comes out. In essence, yeah.
0: Now, you know, I was thinking about this, a a local P&D operation. So when I first started, I used to do 20 to 30 stops a day, just general freight, picking up and delivering all kinds of general freight. And I very seldom ever did 200 miles. I mean, most of my days were about 150, um, maybe 200 miles on a big day. And weight didn't matter. So if, co- if it was cost effective, it might actually end in a and d operation. I'm not going to run three to one trailers. So there may be some uses for it if it's cost effective.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Again, a small niche market, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not over the road. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever in truckload when the, the weight is going to reduce your payload 200 miles a day isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. And where and when are you going to charge this thing when you're on the road? Every night Yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to. And, and
1: what they did say is once you're out of battery, it's, just becomes a trailer at that point. Yeah, but it, now and it's then a, they, now maybe it's a heavy trailer.
0: <laughs> a heavy trailer at that. Yeah, it becomes a heavy trailer. The batteries have to weigh a lot. The technology and the axles got to weigh something. Now, here's the other thing I would do if I were buy one of these to run local. The entire top would be covered in solar panels. That's a lot of room for solar.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely
0: extend the range quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and a local P and D operation there's no sun. That can help <laughs> you. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, if uh if I were trying to do it we in Oregon a in the winter time today. wouldn't Thank be goodness. much good. Yeah. Huh. All right. Um Leroy, what's on your mind today? Not
2: a whole lot. Just been busy. We've been doing a bunch of uh vibration analysis lately. Um uh, we got an article coming out about one about on a Volvo with a D13 we found uh the a broken motor mount. Uh that we found that the bolts weren't in it from using the vibration analysis machine so that was a cool story uh like i said the article's coming out soon and then there's also another one we got in the shop right now that's got a vibration around 60 miles per hour so seeming like it's a tire or something but um uh, haven't got to look at it a whole bunch just got back from a test drive and came to the show but uh i've been doing a lot of that lately so hey
0: um i just got a message i th- think it's from Joel, but I'm not sure phone number looks familiar it's uh normally I don't get a text on this number, but um it's a, it sounds like something Joel would be doing. He said he actually went out to California and he checked that trailer out and he says it's not what we're thinking. He actually might get the demo one, so we may get a uh, a better report on that um, oh good yeah, so um, one other thing, and then we're going to get to calls cause they're starting to pile up on us. So, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about codes and all the new technology and all that. I just had a, uh, a good example of just the old school two gauges and a quick, um, quick troubleshooting on what was going wrong. So it was the day of all the wind. So that was kind of a weird day anyway. So I, I was struggling a little bit going up the hills and, you know, since the tune, Leroy, I don't ever struggle going up hills. Um, I was losing four or five miles an hour, and I thought, boy, that wind must be really strong. And then I noticed that even when the wind died down just a little bit, it was still struggling a little. So, what two gauges do we always talk about, Pete? The gauge and pyrometer and both boost gave now my boost was down almost uh, eight pounds normally i can max out at about 50 pounds of boost i was struggling to get 42 or 43 pounds of boost with the history of all the boost leaks on this thing i immediately thought oh boy i've got another boost leak and i thought well let me just check so the pyrometer was down as well so i uh I popped in, needed fuel anyway, popped in, needed fuel, switched out a fuel filter, and everything was fine.
1: Yeah, that's a nice thing with those two gauges. You don't have boost, and you don't have heat, indicates we're not getting fuel. Yep. And fortunately, it was just a clogged filter and not a pump issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, I, I really think I got a bad load of fuel because my, um, my generator was running a little rough last night, too. So I need to... Uh, change another filter i guess but as soon as i changed out the uh, engine fuel filter everything was fine good easy fix yep and it it couldn't be easier to change a fuel filter on this thing it's actually in one of the bottom compartments so it's nice and clean it never gets dirty it's right there where you can spin it off and spin another one on Um, and it's even got the little cat pump on it so nice easy fix good all right. Anything else, or should we get to some calls? I think we should get some to some t- calls. All right, let's do that. Let's go to Florida. Brian, welcome to the program.
3: Hey guys, morning. Uh, I want to start with a question first, and then I'll do the backstory. But on a bridge nut, what would cause a bridge nut to back off on the valve train?
1: No, I have no idea. I certainly don't. You know what I'm
3: talking about when I say a bridge nut?
1: No, not really. I've not heard that. uh,
3: Okay. The uh, nut that locks down the adjustment when you do a valve adjustment and the nut that locks it down once you have it adjusted.
2: Vibration. Yeah. It's the only thing I
1: can think of. And was anyone into the engine prior to this? Yes. That
3: is the backstory. is a month and a half before that, I had a valve adjustment done by a dealer, and I had a head gasket, and then they had to do the valve adjustment, and they said they didn't do anything wrong, and if it was loose, it would have came loose, it would have came apart within 100 miles, 200 miles, 300 miles, and I had about, not, eh, about 15,000 miles on it, maybe, if that, And I got up in the morning, everything was fine, took off about 10, 15 miles down the road. It felt like I was on a rumble strip and I'm looking and it was dark out. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not on the side of the, no. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I realized that I was on the road and not on a rumble strip, all hell broke loose and I dropped the valve and it wiped out the motor.
1: Yeah, that's severe failure. So if it was left completely loose, you wouldn't make it past the road test. And right. I've had that happen to me many years ago, young mechanic. I left it, And I don't think I was three miles from the shop and, and it started ticking. I pull over and uh, they brought me some tools down and, and the, the, cut the valve cover off. And, you know, I obviously could see what was going on there. Right. Well, if they just mildly snugged it, that would give you some time to run before it became loose. But, That's what
3: I was trying to explain to them, and they just don't want to hear that, and they don't want to honor any part of their warranty. Now, the good side, let me preface this. So, on the good side is they wanted $28,000 to fix this motor. I'm like, nope. So, I actually got with Vic and Sarah and Henry and talked to them. And uh, I went out and I upgraded the truck. It was a 2000 Mac, and now I'm in a 2020 Cascadia with the 228 rears. My fuel mileage is, you know, beyond what that Mac could ever do. So that's the good thing. But, yes, I wanted to know about this nut because I have an appointment with an attorney already to go after him.
1: Yeah, it was probably snugged up just enough to hold out for a month. And, right. And, you know, as long as it wasn't damaged in any way. And I don't know if you had the nut in hand.
3: No, it wasn't uh, It wasn't damaged. Uh, okay. I have pictures of it and stuff. And even the other Mac dealer that I had it towed into, they said it backed off. Now the Mac dealer that did it in Des Moines, they said that the only time they replace those, it's like a locked up, but it doesn't have like a nylon or anything. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, they call it a bridge nut. And uh, they said the only time they replace those is when they get stripped out. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I would run into issues with the nut. Um, If it was over-tightened and the the threads get stretched, what would happen is as you tighten the jam nut, you're holding the adjustment screw from moving, you couldn't do that. Um, It would want to grab and turn the adjustment screw so you could never do the setting right. And then at that point, you'd replace the nut. That didn't happen too often. Um, I I don't think I ever recall when I worked in a shop, uh, you know, breaking or fouling in any way. If it came loose, it was left loose.
3: Okay. Well, I'm just trying to get all my ducks in a row and stuff and get as much knowledge as I can, you know, and run it by you guys just to see so I can explain it
0: to the attorney and stuff. Brian? Yeah. Let me give you some advice on... um suing them over this. It's never a fun process. Um, where did you get the work done?
3: Um, uh, Howsby Mac in Des Moines?
0: Where do you live? I in Des Moines. Okay, good. At least it's close to home. So you don't have to worry about it, because if yep. this was in California, you'd have to sue them in California and it becomes really, right, yes. really I, difficult. So that's the first thing. Well, the, the second yeah. thing, well, let me just, I've
3: been through this. Okay. I've been through this with, uh, We'll just say uh, a national truck repair shop, and they screwed a U-Join up years ago, and I went after them. It took me two years and $22,000, but I did prevail.
0: And that's what I was going to say. It's never easy. Here's what I would highly no, recommend before the first court date. Find yourself an expert witness. Oh, don't. I have a few of them. Okay. Yeah, don't go alone. Because they they will bring five technicians, they'll bring five master technicians who will swear that that nut could not have been left loose. And you need somebody on your side. Right. Yep. That's,
3: you know, that's why I wanted to reach out to Pittsburgh Power, you know, and then I do have other people that have, yeah, I do have some expert witnesses already lined up.
0: Yeah, get them them to write out statements and um, go after them.
3: Yeah, I, I $28,000 is nothing to blink at. No, so, no, it's not. Yeah, you know, I'm, will, I'm willing to, done it once, I'll do it again.
0: There you so, go. So well, learned. but
3: anyhow, all right. Well, I appreciate the information, guys. You guys have a good day.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Colorado. Anthony, welcome.
4: Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Good.
0: What's on your mind?
4: Um, I had a question for Leroy. Um, so I parked my truck for a couple of days uh, in the front range, and it can be really cold at night. And I thought, uh, got this idea about doing a solar trickle charger, wondering if that's a good idea. It also came with one of the leads for a plug into the cigarette lighter, and I'm wondering if that's okay to
0: put it in that way i will i'll answer and then leroy can jump in as well I, anytime we can okay, tri- whoever anytime we can trickle charge batteries it's a good thing and, and solar charging is basically free once you have the equipment it's a good nice trickle charge i'm not a big fan of going through the uh, cigarette lighter leroy may have another opinion but um the the more solar you can put up there the the better your batteries are going to be It's just good conditioning and any time it's sitting uh it's really good any thoughts leroy
2: yeah like you said trickle charging is never a bad idea um i don't know if like well it depends on your what your battery like usage is like if you're using a lot of battery power just sitting there otherwise i don't know how beneficial it is to trickle charge batteries versus just using the alternator um, if you're using a lot of power when you're just sitting there, then it starts to make sense. But I mean, for as little as, I don't know how many solar panels you can put up there, but you're probably not going to get a whole lot. I mean, you, you get like one kilowatt per square meter and then you get like 30% of that once you go through all the losses and everything. So you're not going to get a whole lot, but you'll get some triple charge, uh, depending on the time of the year too. But yeah, but, are you using a lot of power just, just sitting? Or you know, no, well,
4: I I generally tend to shut everything down as much as I can. I mean, the the truck I think is keeping the computer powered. The other question I had, I like, I don't really want to put it through the cigarette charger, uh, cigarette lighter. It doesn't seem like a good idea to me. But the leads are really short, so if I extended the leads, is that going to cut down on the actual power the batteries are going to get? Enough, no, no, not
2: not the short amount you could no. do. Okay.
4: Okay. All right. Um, I guess that's it. I got to give a shout out to Pete, too. We've been working on getting this, uh, getting me in there this spring. He's made a quote for me, super nice. We did, uh, did some uh, Black Friday deals, and I missed his email, and he called me back. I, so I appreciated the follow-through. It's always a, a sign of quality for me. So Perfect. I'm looking oh. forward to coming out there and, and seeing you guys. So thank you so
0: much. You're welcome. Excellent. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. Right. Let's go to Alabama. Tony, welcome.
5: Uh, hey, Kevin. Hey, Pete and Leroy. I thought Bruce was flying back.
0: He is. He's on a plane. Yeah, he's traveling today.
5: Oh, I see. Well, I was down there in Theodore, Alabama. Do you know where that is?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
5: Getting myself, I- uh, getting an early Christmas present from Fleet Air Filters. Hey,
0: are I you? I had a. Are you are you getting one of those sexy powder coated air filters? No, I well, we'll see on uh later on. Pete but have I you, don't think so. Pete, have you seen those yet? I have not seen them. Man, are they nice. He can do any colors, custom colors, multicolors. I know it's an air filter and it's inside and you're never gonna see it, but boy, when you take it out, is it sexy looking? Good. Yeah. Good. They're pretty cool. All right, go ahead, Tony.
5: It's it's in a really big box, so uh, they made sure it was the right one. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. I guess what I was calling in about speaking of uh, of two twenty eight gear ratios is um, on these on these lower gear ratios, all things being equal, boost pressure, transmission. I know I got a you know the pack car with the Eaton Fuller that's slow, but with the you know same everything. Say I had a Volvo transmission now. Is that truck slower off the line, like if you're using 20 pounds of boost, uh, like getting up off a stoplight? I asked before, and they went into my transmission and and didn't really answer. They're going to be slower off the line, right? The lower the ratio is in the axle?
0: Well, first off, let's correct something. The lower the number you actually describe it as a higher ratio So we're talking about very high ratio trucks these days, not low ratio trucks. Low ratio would be like 410, 413, that kind of stuff. This is a high ratio, a low number. So just to clarify that. Here's the other thing. There's a lot of variables here. You've got an awful lot of gearing going on. You've got tire size that affects this. And here's my point. I've driven trucks with these crazy high gear ratios that, I mean, we we are now, might be getting under two at some point. But these really low two-ratio trucks accelerate just fine. You're not going to notice a bit of difference. And honestly, your goal is not to accelerate really fast anyway. It's hard on the tires. It's harder on fuel. The idea is to accelerate nice and easy. Progressive shifting does that same thing. A lot of people feel like progressive shifting really slows down the acceleration. But in reality, it doesn't. And, and it's just easier on the drive line. It's easier on everything. So, no, these high ratios are not causing anybody to, to feel like you can't accelerate. Yeah. Uh,
5: I don't want to forget to thank Terrence for helping me out, um, saying something about my air, my heat, uh, with all he's going through. That's That that's just says something about the tribe. Uh, I think what it is in this heater is, is they're probably going to have to take out the dashboard and some proprietary thing with peterbilt uh the auto button does work uh and but for some reason i have full heat in the bunk when the truck is stopped but as soon as i start rolling there's uh like it it dissipates and and goes to just uh lukewarm and and not real hard and no heat at all while you're driving and in fact with everything off there's like this cool breeze coming through the vents with nothing on so any thoughts on that?
0: I don't have any.
2: might be like the blend door or something, you know, because you say that it works for some of the time and then not others. So if the blend door is going in the wrong direction, then that would cause that issue.
5: Yep. Sounds, uh, like,
0: sounds like it. Sounds like that's going to require that's some troubleshooting.
5: Going to require what?
0: Troubleshooting.
6: Yeah.
5: And I don't, you know, we were just talking about bad service. Uh, you know, I've had problems with Peterbilt. So I've lately found out a lot of these things can just be done at a Petro. Oh, I meant to ask Pete. Um, I forgot if you said you want to do the overhead. Speaking of uh, the valve adjustments, I really need it bad, but I got a pacar um, Y'all don't do that there, right?
1: I'd have to check with with my service guy on that one. I'm not sure if we do the uh, valve adjustments on Pack Cars or not. I know Cat comes in Detroit. We do. I will have to check with Brian and can let you know. All right, sounds don't good. Have pack Cars in the shop. What's that
5: about having Pack Cars in the shop? You have them in the any, shop.
1: I don't see many in the shop like I do the other engines.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, all right, Kevin. I got some more. Um, what do you think? What about this as a bad business idea? I'm thinking about, you know, keeping the pack car, not trading it in, but trying to get a used Volvo with one of those uh, high gear ratios, you know, and and just to save fuel. How terrible of a business decision do you think that is?
0: What would be the well, getting a truck that gets better fuel economy is a great decision. What would be the reason for keeping the current truck?
5: Well, because I am scared of old trucks. We've, we've talked about right. that a little bit in the past, especially uh, coming. But, but uh, this would be a Volvo. And, you know, in case I'm afraid of somebody else's truck, this one I bought brand new. And I've been the only user. So if anything is to blame, it's me. If something goes wrong with that Volvo, I miss something, huh, I got to have uh, a truck to work with. And, and that'd be the only reason, just to well. have it as a... Uh, and I'm probably just going to so, get nothing for the trade-in, probably with a well, million miles
0: almost. Well, and you can sell it on the open market. It, I, I, if it's got a million miles, it might not be a bad idea to keep it. And that was what I was going to get to next. What are the numbers? How much is this thing worth on the open market? And it may only be worth fifteen or twenty thousand. Well, if that's the case, it, it may be a good idea to keep it. Having a spare truck is a good thing. What I didn't want you to do is keep a forty or $50,000 truck around as a spare. If that were the case, if this thing were, say, it was worth 40000 and you wanted a spare, I'd sell it and buy a $10,000 spare truck. But if if this one's got a million miles on it, it, it's probably worth keeping as a spare. Now, but let's go back to your premise of you bought this one new and somebody else bought the Volvo you're going to end up buying. What makes you so special? Just because you bought a truck doesn't make make it any more reliable than the truck that I bought and then sold to you six years later. I mean, we can ins- it, we can ins- we can inspect the truck. We can pull ECMS. We can pull oil samples. There there shouldn't be honestly. If it comes right down to it, I have more confidence when I buy a used truck. My sweet spot was trying to find a used truck that was about a year old or less because you, you get the best value. The price that that first year depreciation is the biggest. So a, a used truck in its first year is usually the best value. And I'm more confident buying that one because now I have history. I can pull the ECM report and see this thing isn't regenning all the time. I can pull an oil sample and see there aren't any problems. I can physically inspect the truck. A brand-new truck is a wild card. We have yeah, no history. We have no point. nothing. I'm
5: really bad there. I just don't want to, uh, you know, they've got these used Volvos in Elizabeth, New Jersey, for like 23000 Oh, uh, uh, 16 with like 635,000 miles, it, which I think is a good deal. But it, I just I don't want to I'm not I a good that, mechanic and I'm not good at finding stuff. But
0: I think uh, that I is like an awesome opportunity for twenty three thousand dollars. It's really hard to go wrong. You've got a very small investment, six hundred and some thousand miles gives us a really good um, look at if we pull an ECM report and we see the fuel mileage has been good, the regens are low, it doesn't have a lot of idle time. We pull an oil sample and it looks good. Uh, a $23,000 truck with 600,000 miles on it is a complete bargain.
5: Yeah, and then I can use my own psychology against me because I'd say, well, why is he getting rid of it? Well, they could say the same thing to me. Well, hold on, I'll tell you truck. exactly why this, they're getting rid of it. This one's that, proof. that the, Whoever gets this truck is going to get a free million more miles out of this truck because well, my truck
0: bulletproof, too. Well, well you keep your truck. What yours
5: if they then. say that to me? What's wrong but, with it?
0: Well, but hold on. It's not that I wouldn't say that, but I can tell you why somebody's getting rid of the 600,000-mile truck. That's a really common trade-in cycle. That's a very common exactly. duty cycle. So it doesn't mean anything's wrong with it. It doesn't yeah, mean, it doesn't mean that it's a it. piece of junk. No, and we're going to inspect it to make sure it's not.
5: Yeah, especially if it's got an APU. Like, that
0: APU could be trash and it'd still be a good deal. Yeah, a, a, a good used APU is worth five or $6,000, and that's a third of the price of this truck almost. I know. Okay. Well, I was afraid you might not
5: say that, and that I'd be an idiot to, to get another truck, and especially if you don't have the money for it. But, um, all right, this really helps my decision.
0: So um, I'll give you another opinion on the gear ratios. Joel sent me a text comparing a 308 to a 216. Uh, The speed would be faster. The acceleration speed would be faster with the 308. But if you just change your shift points, you can't tell the difference. And like I said, it's easier on everything to accelerate a little slower anyway.
5: Yeah, and like you said, this pack car is a freaking dog. I mean, if I gas on it, it's fine. But that eating fuller just eats me up, and I'm trying to keep it below 20 psi. Um, and but I'm getting you know outrun by like loaded freight liners when I'm empty, and it's you know because I think you've been saying to to like not jackrabbit start off the line anymore, and that'll save some fuel. And I'm starting to see the difference, it, and I like it.
0: Fuel, tires, driveline, clutch, you name it accelerating easy is easy on all of those parts.
5: Yeah. And I've been waiting till it gets into 10th, um, to floor it. And that's 35 miles an hour. I mean, yeah, it takes forever to get up there, but it, I've still got one, two, three, four more gears. And then I start to pass people.
0: And let's think about something else. What percentage of your miles are actually spent accelerating?
5: Yeah, I know zero, but pretty much it's it's a fraction. Traffic and they're they're weaving in and out to get behind you and then flipping you off for being slow. Look, it is
0: an issue. People waved at me with one finger my entire driving career. Why? Because they didn't like the way I drove. They didn't like being stuck behind me when I was doing fifty-seven. They didn't like the fact that I did accelerate easy.
5: Oh, I don't have any more why questions. Because I already know the answer.
0: (laughs) That's right. There you go. So don't worry about the other people.
5: Mm, I I had another uh, topic, if you have time, because I got cut off that first time you did the show with the the new uh, phone system. All right. And that was, I love this idea. No? Yeah, no, go ahead. I love this idea that you go to school for nine years and get an MD and all of a sudden that makes you an idiot. Uh,
0: That's because it's not really an education. It's an indoctrination. There's a big difference. Yeah,
5: it's an interesting uh, interesting thought, because I have a lot of friends that are doctors that, yeah, I I agree. They, you know, that they're in the system, but still, I think when people listen it, it, uh that you're going to get a lot more more uh say if if you give them some respect even if you have to fake it that's what i was trying to say uh, when the phone system crashed me out
0: got it yeah it, it the big the big pharmaceutical companies have taken over the entire medical education system uh, they influence all of the medical schools they influence virtually everything in medicine today these
5: people, they think they're like the boss of the world because they have that degree, but, you know, they, they yeah. don't know any yeah. better. But you have to, like, baby them uh, and and not, like, totally beat them up for it. Because, you yeah. know, I, I do give them some credit for having that schooling, but it, you know, it might be worthless, and you just got to extract what you
0: can out of it. Well, I've always said in the past, bad information is worse than no information. I'd rather have no information and have to figure it out myself than be, than to be told something wrong with authority.
5: Yeah. I'm trying to think of another maintenance topic that while we're talking about this, but I just can't. So, uh, yeah, it's just going to piss them off more. If you know, you're a doctor here, you think you're, you know, and, and that'll lose the audience. So I don't want to see that. Like when you get on Twitter with, with these doctors that call in and, you know, that could be a good resource if, uh, if, um, if, we give him some credit for what he's done, even though, you know, we
0: we don't kind of like having to fake it. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, there. there are, I, I'm going to cut you loose. There are lots of doctors now that are finally getting a clue. Um, lots of them. We've had plenty of them on the show. I find more and more every day. I doubt that we'll ever turn that around completely. But all right, we are, uh, phones have been really light today. We're, they piled up in the beginning. We haven't had any new calls. So we are down to our final call. If you want to jump in, now is the time. 319 527 6791. I could do for an easy day, too, if that's the case. So either way, let's, uh, let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome.
6: Hi, Kevin. Hi, uh, hi, guys. There, Pete and uh, Leroy. Hi, uh, listening back to a previous uh, show, and you talking about the uh, catalyst working on your uh, hot water in your truck.
0: Yeah, my Aqua Hot.
6: Um. Yeah, I have uh, a block heater, uh, Webasto, on my truck.
0: Same idea. The only
6: one I have the hour meter. Yeah, the only one I have the hot wa- or hour meter on. So far, I've had it on for two years, 350 hours on that one, and I have not opened it up and cleaned it.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I, and I've heard that a lot about the, I have, the the bunk heaters and the block heaters. I have the,
6: right. I have the bunk heater, but it does not have an hour meter. But I would have to say that has four to eight or four to five times more hours on it, and oh, I, I have that.
0: not touched that one either. It makes an absolute difference. This is in the entire... I'm going back since I've owned this thing. Was it like 2015 or 2016? I bought this. Uh, this aqua hot has never, ever worked right. Now, it had some other issues. We fixed them over time. I did a, a, a rebuild on it once. But even after the rebuild, right after the rebuild, it did not work correctly. It was intermittent, and it took me a while... It's a fairly complicated system. So so the aqua hot itself is a big boiler, basically. It's got a, a big tank of coolant, like antifreeze, except because it's running through the water system, you use um, propylene glycol, which is basically Evans coolant, instead of ethylene glycol. And it's for the toxicity. Uh, antifreeze is how people bump off, kill people they don't like, it's that toxic. Um, propylene glycol is the opposite. It's completely non-toxic. It's the same stuff you would use to um, winterize the entire plumbing system in a coach because it's not toxic. So you can fill up your water tanks with it and your water lines, and then they don't freeze in the wintertime. And then in the, when you want to de-winterize it, you just blow all that stuff back out. But any traces left behind are non-toxic. So you got the big boiler, the diesel-fired heater that that heats up that that um, boiler liquid, and then it's used for all kinds of things. It it is the hot water heater, so I have on-demand unlimited hot water. I've got three heating zones inside the coach, so it's the uh, it keeps this thing nice and toasty warm without using a ton of electricity like my heat pumps would do, and it also runs hot coolant around um, around the block, and it's a block heater as well. So it's a really nice system, but there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of places where things can go wrong. Like at one point, two of my heaters inside were working, but one would always just blow cold air. Well, that's a fix right in that heater itself. So it was like I chased all these problems, and then even after fixing, I thought, everything, and rebuilding the boiler and the diesel-fired heater, there were times when I still wouldn't get heat at all. No hot water, no nothing. And I realized that what was happening is occasionally when the diesel-fired heater went to start up, it just wouldn't start. It would make all the right noises, but if you were, you know, went out and looked at it, it just wouldn't fire up. And that changed on this trip, and this is the first trip that I've consistently run catalyst through every tank. And now that f- heater never fails to fire up; haven't had a single problem with it this trip.
6: Yeah, same. I see. that chemical is the same stuff I use in my uh, solar system that I told you about. I got the oh yeah. um, yep solar water heat heats up my house and and my uh, shop floor, so it. Worked really well. Yeah, but I try those uh, safety glasses. I left you in the uh, snowy weather at all.
0: uh I didn't. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I should have. Oh, well,
6: maybe if you have your last drive home here, give them a shot. Let me know what you think.
0: Well, the the, the the last place I have to worry about some wet. Well, I I could get bad weather anywhere in Oregon this time of year. Honestly, I haven't checked the weather. Yeah. Um, but the, the worst would be up the top of the Blues and Cabbage. It's almost always snowing up there this time of year.
6: Yeah. Well, give those a shot. See how you like those. we Will do. We'll uh, check, check with you another time. Thank All you right. very much. Have a nice day.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. Good stuff. Let's go to uh, Iowa. Patrick, welcome to the program.
7: Morning, guys. So, as... You know, I'm using it. Uh, I'm using the catalyst in a 73 diesel, and all the four wheelers and the uh, lawn mowers and chainsaws and everything. And, and and I don't have to tune things up in the spring as much as I was doing before. Um, you know, this uh, Acer Cat 750 to the ground. This thing's burning the catalyst. And uh, depending on, you know, conditions and whatnot, we're in that six-and-a-half range on the, uh, on the quarter uh, running big power. Uh, I think it does make a difference. It does absolutely keep things cleaner. Um, and uh, I'm real excited. I'm going to uh, Illinois to unload today and uh, get my APU put on this 07, and uh, that'll have the catalyst in that little three-cylinder Kubota. Uh, of course, because it's pulling fuel out of the tanks. But uh, uh, just want your opinion, Kevin, uh, should I should I go to synthetic on that little Kubota right out of the right out of the chute? You think, or
0: I would? Should I wait?
7: an oil change and then go to synthetic or what are your thoughts?
0: I I don't think there's any reason to wait. You, you look at every, certainly every high end car now, and I, I don't know how far down the chain it's moved. They all come with synthetic right from the start. I mean, synthetic is just about taking over everything. Um, the, in fact, the only reason I would not run a synthetic is if I had an oil that was just burning or an engine that was burning a lot of oil because it's gonna burn more if you put synthetic in. But other than that, I I put synthetic in everything and if I I, I put it in at the first opportunity.
8: Okay, well,
2: uh,
7: I think I'll get, go ahead. No, go ahead. So, they're they're saying a
2: 2,000
7: hour interval on this green APU that I'm gonna have slammed on here tomorrow. So, I think that's a little excessive. Uh, what's What's your thoughts on a drain interval on something like that?
0: um I've never really worked in hours, but I mean we could convert it fairly easy if you're. Um, well, think about it. How date-wise, how long is it between your oil changes on your truck, roughly? Two months.
7: Well, i have no, no, no. I've got a bypass oil filtration system on here, and I'm burning T four Rotella, and I go somewhere between sixty and one hundred and twenty thousand in between drain intervals.
0: So, how do we do the math on that? Uh, 60,000 miles. Well, we miles. Always figure
7: anything, anything running hourly is like 55 miles an hour. Couldn't you agree? Yeah, on that?
0: that's what I was thinking. It's going to be real close to 55 to 60 miles an hour. And six. so, why am I having a hard time figuring out the math? 60,000 miles would be, is that... 6,000 hours? Am I doing that right? Somebody help me here. My brain's not working this morning. 60,000 miles divided by let's, let's 60, right? 1,000 hours. 1,000.
7: 1,100.
0: Thousand Le- 1, Le- okay. Yeah. So 2,000 hours does seem like a lot. Yep. But That's I, what I, I thought. But I, I would certainly trust the manufacturer. I don't know why they would tell us to go longer than we're supposed to or, or what's good for it. You know when when you well, look at when you look at tolerances today on these engines, they're so well built; they're not burning any oil. Um, I, I would go with the manufacturer's recommendation. Okay, it just seems a little excessive to me. Is all I, I just. Well, I, I I'm trying to remember. It it doesn't happen very often, but I think I change my generator oil at 500 hours. I remember, right? I, I Last time I changed it, Pete, was when I was there at Pittsburgh Power. And I was thinking I was going to change it after this trip just because I've used it a lot. I wasn't even going to check the hours. I was just going to go ahead and change it because it's so easy anyway. I
1: don't, I don't imagine it holds much oil either.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It's you know simple. It's easy to get to the filter. It's easy to get to the drain. It, it, I bet it doesn't take me 15 minutes to change the oil on that thing.
1: Are you going to take? Are you going to Louisville this year?
0: Uh, yes, in, in fact. fact Taking a coach. Yes, in fact, okay. I got to remember to to try to get reservations. Somebody said they 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 had to apply for a reservation at the RV park this year, and they haven't heard back yet.
1: I know the booths are all sold out. We were getting everything squared away, we'll be in the same spot like we're we're always at. But I was looking through uh, on their website, and it seems to be sold out already. In the past, it has been. I mean, other yeah. than the pandemic years, if, um, if you don't have your booth by October, you're not getting one.
0: I'm surprised this year that it's this busy. Yeah. I just, I wonder how much of that was people that booked early and didn't realize how slow this year might get.
1: You know, we've always done well at this show. I mean, the, yeah, one year they were remodeling and they put us in a... Uh, room with other people. It was just a mess. I mean, yeah, that's,
0: find That was it, a mess.
1: It's one of those deals. Remodeling. What can you do? Right. But even in lean years, we've always stayed busy at the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, well, you First guys are year, always busy. Even to get out. Yeah. Now I'll let out a, a, a little teaser here. Not a lot of information because I don't have any yet. Um, but we are working with um, show management, Toby Young himself. Um, truckstop.com and Nastic and Let's Truck uh, to put together probably a day and a half or two day event um, in conjunction with the show. So we might do like a full day Wednesday with uh, an evening event Wednesday night, and then a half day Thursday, and then you can you know walk out of our event right into the show when when the doors open. So um, that's about ninety percent. That that's gonna happen. Great. Yeah. So exciting. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Patrick. Anything
7: else? No. I'm just wondering if uh, on that Kubota, do you think that you think somebody makes an extended drain filter? You know, kind of like what we're doing on these on these big cats and stuff with those Donaldson So where that, you know, that the one on the block gets me to 30 before I change it. And I was just wondering if, but, you know, somebody might make that extended life filter for that little Kubota.
0: Put an OPS on it. Use a four-inch filter. I bet you'd get, uh, it'd probably last a lifetime. Probably on it again. What's that? Probably never change oil on it again. Probably not, really. If, if you were to put an OPS <laughs> on there, I, I, it would be a long, long time before you ever changed oil, I bet.
7: Well, well, that's a great idea, Kevin. Yeah. Let me see how it's plumbed. There you go. Hey,
9: thanks,
0: man. You're welcome. You guys have a great day. All right. Thanks we'll for the call. You. Let's go to Texas. Kevin, welcome to the program.
9: Hey guys, uh you got I got I got a twenty three Volvo and there's nothing wrong with it or anything, but uh I know Joel since he's been messaging in, he's probably listening. But uh I have high gears. I have 247s. They're not a, they're not the iTorch spec. I couldn't get my hands on one of those without having to order it and wait months and months and months out. So I went ahead and got this one and uh it's a 23 model. I got it with 35,000 miles on it and uh I got it for 1645 out the door and it's got an electric APU on it and uh and a uh it's it's a Wasibo if I'm pronouncing that correctly uh bunk heater and I love it. I hardly ever idle this thing. But do you, do you mean
0: was, a Wabasto?
9: Yeah, Wabasto. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh so I hardly ever idle it. I've been using the catalyst since since day one in this thing that I've had it at thirty five thousand. I've got seventy four on it. My fuel mileage is coming up a little bit because Joel said it wasn't gonna be very good until after break in and he said it was gonna drink a lot of death. And my DEF is like half as much as my 15 model straight liner with that DD15 in there. And uh, same, basically the same operation uh, catalyst in that 15 model as well. But I used to get like 3 320, sometimes 350 a gallon on DEF out of that DD15. Um, and this one here, I'm lucky if I can. My, the most I've ever got was 180. And uh I am getting better fuel mileage, but i mean holy moly i'm I'm filling this tank up with DEF twice uh almost twice a, a week, you know, which i mean I don't let it get below half a tank because i don't want the i don't want the hey, uh, you know go I'm, ahead
0: yeah i I was just thinking here we we've we've played around with you know def consumption and it it's i i haven't focused on it or thought about it a lot. It really seems like it's all over the board, even more so than fuel economy. I mean, people always say in fuel economy, well, mine's all over. Well, of course it is. It's always going to be. But there's a, there should be a fairly tight range on fuel mileage, and we should understand why you know, you might have an outlier because you were really light going downhill with the tailwind most of the trip or the opposite. DEF seems to be all over the board, and I'm, I'm not sure that we really understand or talk about all the reasons, but I'm I'm thinking that if we've got a truck that's not tuned right, if we've got an overhead out, if we get a, a poor load of fuel, a poor quality fuel, it would seem to me like all of those things are factors in how much def you use.
1: Even a Boostly could affect it.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it seems like there are a lot of variables that could affect def usage, and I'm not sure we understand it all that well yet.
9: Right. Well, I was just I was just kind of curious about it because I mean I love the truck. I I have no issues with it. It's got that D13 turbo compound, and like I say, my my 11th gear in my I-shift is direct, and 12th is .86. Okay. Overdrive, so I mean I get like it, and I run around sixty five because that's about uh, we we deliver to I, I pull dry bolt. so my fuel mileage isn't going to be the best in a hopper bottom anyway because of the drag of the trailer. But I mean I do everything I can with it. Uh, I am going to put me some air tabs on it to try to get the try to get the air out from underneath, out from between the trailer and the uh, truck. And, uh, and I do have my trailer as close as I can get it to where I can axle out. You know, um, uh, I do have a 12, five front axle. So I'm fixing, which, uh, I'm putting, um, 16 ply, which would be a, a H rated tire instead of a G. So I could actually put more on my stairs and still be axled out without getting a ticket. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I agree. Your wind, your weight, there's uh, so many factors. Whether it's raining because of your, your water on the ground, it's going to totally throw off your rolling resistance on your tires. And I do have really good ro- low well, rolling resistant tires on here. Well, all those but are factors guess, in, in uh,
0: fuel economy. And, and I've studied fuel economy long enough and paid attention to it that I understand all the variables and why on one trip you might get worse than another. And we even say on fuel economy. There's so many variables that one truck not running dedicated routes, it is really difficult to accurately check fuel mileage improvements or problems. Um, but I, I, I'm just not as familiar with DEF. All the things that could affect fuel economy could affect DEF economy as well. But then I think there are some others that maybe we're not always thinking about.
9: Right, right. Well, in a new truck, well, what, what? What would be, and I know, I know you guys over there at Pittsburgh Power, you don't, you're not really that. Uh, I mean, you're knowledgeable in everything because you guys are a bunch of smart fellas over there. But uh, what do you think a good number is? Because I mean, my my uh, my fuel economy hadn't dropped. My my they say that whatever your your Jake brake or your engine brake starts not working as well as it should, that it's about time for an overhead. But what is a good number on a new truck to have the overhead set?
1: So, you know, keep in mind, initially, everything seats in quite a bit uh, in the beginning. Now, how many miles are on this engine?
9: Uh, 74,012 miles.
1: Okay. So, generally, you know, the, the overheads don't change like they used to, but there will be Thing seating in place because it's a new engine. Also, we're assuming it was done right at the factory. And it could have been a Friday and someone was hungover. You never know. Um, I would get it checked at 100,000 miles the first time. And then um, most of the newer trucks, I don't know about Volvo, but the other engines are two to 250,000 miles between overheads. But we kind of push a once a year overhead. Um, we're always looking for fuel mileage. And if the overhead's off, you're not going to get it. And a overhead being out can affect deaf usage. Um, you know the the load, the terrain. There's a lot of variables that would affect death. And I don't think 180 uh, miles per gallon isn't horrible. I I think that's probably near the average. Would not you say so, Leroy?
2: Yeah, it's supposed to be anywhere between two to four percent of your fuel mileage. So 180 is is pretty on par for most engines.
9: Okay, okay. So then I I must be past the I must be past the uh, point what Joel was talking about, about it drinking a lot of DEF. He said, he said, you'll check it one day. He said, you'll check your oil one day and uh, check it the next. And it just, you'll have to add a gallon. He said, it, he said, it's sporadic when it happens. Luckily I'm not, luckily I guess all of that happened within the first 35,000 that I did not have the truck. But I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely love this thing. Uh, I just do. I mean, I just do. But anyway, that's all I got guys. Uh, I was just kind of curious about that overhead so uh, and that does make good sense just to go in there and have them do that overhead once a year. I mean, it's not but three or $400, and if you can't afford that, you're probably in the wrong business anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, we, we, we've gone back and forth on this. At the same time, right. We, the overhead. We've gone back and forth on this. We used to say maybe extend it out further and wait until you see some issues, but I, I think I like the year. It's not that big of a deal. I think it's better to stay on top of it
9: right well i mean i usually take off the week between christmas and and new years anyway just because of all the traveling and yeah there you uh, go plus uh, i'm getting getting kind of lazy at 53 so i really don't want to work no more than i have to so that's just a good (laughs) <laughs> that's just a yeah. good reason to take off go. that week.
0: <laughs> there you go. That, uh, Alrighty, that's
9: that, all I got.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. I, that's why I'm getting ready to take some time off around Christmas myself. This uh, this trip's been pretty busy, so uh, I could use a little downtime. Let's uh, let's see. Boy, the calls just piled up on us again. Let's go to Washington. Arthur, welcome to the program.
10: Hi guys. Uh, new to the show. Really enjoy it. Uh, keep up the good hey, work.
0: Hey, Ar-
5: have a question Arthur, about
0: the... could yeah. I, could I ask you real cool? Well, welcome to the tribe in the show, by the way, how'd you find us?
10: Uh, honestly, I'm aspiring to be a, a owner operator. Uh, I actually work for a company now and I've been purchased a truck to get, uh, going. and I like to do re- a little bit of research and I just was looking through podcasts and stumble upon you guys.
0: Well, fantastic. Welcome. What can we help you with today?
10: So I have a question regarding the Max Catalyst. I own several diesel pickups and some other construction equipment. Um, And my understanding is, well, I'm not sure if I understand it correctly, but is it essentially a cetane booster? Because I currently use... Uh, hot shots? No, no. 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 Okay.
0: So it, you could confuse them because cetane in diesel can do some similar things that the max mileage catalyst does. But cetane is an additive. Um, that doesn't make it bad, but there is a difference between an additive and a catalyst. Uh, a catalyst chemically changes something. We use catalysts in all kinds of things. Have you ever mixed up um, any kind of epoxy? You know, you have two tubes that will stay soft forever, uh, mix them together and you get about 30 seconds sometimes and they're going to be rock hard. That That's a catalyst reaction. There's a chemical change in what's happening. Right. The, the max mileage is a true catalyst, not an additive. And it is changing the chemical structure of the fuel so it burns at a lower temperature and faster. So, and by doing that, You're able to burn fuel more completely, which results in less soot, which is the real goal of the catalyst. The catalyst is not designed to increase fuel economy or fuel mileage. It is designed to get the soot out of the exhaust stream and keep the emissions nice and clean.
10: Got it. So just a follow-up question then. Well, is, if you're using the catalyst, is there a point to using the Cetane, or at that point, do you just use the catalyst and eliminate the Cetane booster?
0: You know, in general, I've found that the catalyst works on just about everything, um, but there are some trucks we found that don't really benefit from it all that well. Um, a a well tuned, um, newer engine, the the Volvo for sure, the Mac, even the. Um, the DD series, if they're tuned right, specced right, driven right, um, we don't see a lot of emission issues with those, but those can benefit from a little bit of cetane boost.
10: Got it. All right, thank you gentlemen, that was all I had.
0: You're welcome, thanks for the call. Let's- uh, Thank you. Let's go to, oh, hold on, try that again. Let's go to Ohio. Zachary, welcome.
11: Hi, welcome, All right. Nice to finally talk to you guys. I have a, uh, I've had your scan gauge for a while. Uh, I have a 99 liner with DDAC 4127. Uh, now, it always, I had 7650 injectors in it before, and it broke a spring or whatever came apart. It came down to Pittsburgh Power. You guys put the 5915s in it. And I don't think there was any codes in it to begin with because it had a misfire then, fixed all that. And then all of a sudden, I guess it's been a reoccurring thing, the scan gauge would pop up two codes. It would be like the ID2, FM5, and then it would throw like an ID1 and an FM3. Uh, what's the best way besides, I mean, obviously using a good computer, but how can I, take, how can I read those codes to know exactly what it is, I guess I'm saying, what's the 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 two codes to go to get them off the scan gauge?
2: Leroy. Yeah. So you said it's a 60 series, right?
11: Yeah. Yep.
6: Yeah. So
2: I think there's a I think there's a customer resources place on our website that has like code sheets, and you can go uh-huh. to the 60 series one, and then you can cross reference the ID and the FMI, or you could okay. also sort of um, Google. Uh, I would put an S in front of the ID, so like SID, whatever, FMI, and whatever year it was, and then 60 series, okay. and you should be able to find the code from there. Oh. And if you still have okay. issues, just email me. We'll figure it out together.
0: I mean, it
11: runs great. I just, I just didn't understand why i would always throw, like it would be a 2 and a 5, and then it would go like a 1 and a 6. And I'm like, what? Uh, is these all different codes, or is it all just injector codes? If it's even an injector
2: code. Yeah. I'm not sure without kind of looking them up. I don't okay. usually
0: get to summarize,
11: so. Cool. Thank you, guys. That's it.
0: All right. Yep. Thanks for the call. Uh, we've got yep. some more calls, and, and we're going to get to them, but um, I'm wondering about the, the neighborhood I chose to park in last night. I got in really late after a long day of driving, so uh, the RV park I chose was fairly close to where I needed to be, but I'm I'm wondering if I have a uh, meth den next to me or a house of prostitution. I'm not sure which one. Um, I watched the husband get up and leave. Yeah, you know, I I watched the husband get up and leave this morning and go somewhere, and I've seen an awful lot of uh, shady-looking characters walk up uh, to the trailer. There's one in there now. I'm not sure what's going on. I think it might be meth. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's... I've got a front row seat right here. My, um, It's a, it's kind of a tight park too. So the the window next to where I'm broadcasting from is only about 10 feet away from their door. So in a front row to all the action. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Wisconsin. Abe, welcome to the program.
8: Good morning. Uh, I've got a question about an oral sample that I
0: don't know if she's it to you or not? Yeah, I've got it here. So um, let's go through this. So we've got 636,000 miles. I'm going to guess that's on a rebuild, right? It is. First rebuild? Do you know? Actually, it's the second one. Second. Um, and about. F- both, of, both of them were in frames. About 50,000 miles on this oil. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. And you've got to know. Yeah,
8: I'm kind of new to the extended change. And and, and on, on the previous old change, I finally did switch over to T5. I just always ran T4 and trying to extend the intervals a little more slowly. And yeah. Um, lead lead got raised a little bit, so I was curious what if I need to be do, concerned or not. Do you have a bypass filter?
0: I do. Which one? It's been on there for, I got the 10-inch DOPS Okay. So I am actually a little concerned. Um, Pete, so we've got two in-frames on a 3406E. We've got 636,000 miles. Nothing in the oil would indicate any kind of a problem. No fuel dilution, virtually no soot, less than 0.1. Silicone has been four on every other sample. It's only five now. No coolant whatsoever but the lead jumped up to 17. it had been you know four or less on every other sample and now it's up to 17. what do you think?
1: so i mean it, it sure sounds like bearings and, and the older engines are seeing lead in their bearings compared to the newer trucks uh, which are not so it definitely is something to look into and now it could be lead from a bearing on an air compressor as well i mean are you noticing the air compressor being noisier or maybe a little slower to
0: build up air. And here's the other, uh, the other, let me just get, all the wear metals on this engine have been extremely low. I'm looking at four or five samples back, nickel, zero, chromium, zero. And we finally just had one aluminum at one or two. It was at three this time. Um, If we go way back, there was a big spike in copper, but, there was no lead prior to that. So that was probably just an oil cooler. And we've got 13 on copper now. I doubt that that's coming from the bearing since we're just now starting to see lead for the first time. So I I, I think we might be seeing some some bearing wear, but it could be a compressor.
8: And also this is the first time that, that I ever put that many miles on, on a single oil change too. So
9: yeah and, and the it, reason
8: reason for the that, that that first end frame it was done was done kind of prematurely i had a had a o-ring go uh, start leaking actually i had an oil uh, oil cooler fail and that and i believe that's what caused the o-ring to leak on one of the cylinders and, and i just it, it had like eight hundred and sixty thousand, i think at that time and i just decided okay. to it was the same labor labor cost, so I just decided to put an end frame in it at, at that point. Yeah. That's why it was okay. that first one was early and, and then on on that second one I I think I might have ran a little bit too hard. I had a tune in it and thought I might have cracked the head on it and turned out it had a crack in the in in the, in the, in one of the liners. That's why that end frame was done.
0: Okay. So I'll go back over it again. This thing is running really well. It's tuned really well. We're, we're not seeing any soot or fuel dilution. Wear metals have been extremely low up until this point. We just saw a little yeah. bit of spike in lead. All I would do at this point is just keep an eye on that lead number. I, I would make sure I was sampling every twenty to 25,000. And if the lead continued okay. to climb, I'd probably inspect the bearings or or check the compressor. Okay. Uh, now- Hey, Pete, is there any, any now, uh, easy way to change, check that compressor for wear? Changing to a two. To a... Um, I'm
1: sorry, what was that, Kevin?
0: Is there any way to, to um, figure out if this is coming from the compressor? Any easy way to check that?
1: So the, the simple things will do. Um, now, the compressor can wear out a couple of different places the cylinder itself, the bearings. Um, if it's noisy, slow to build air, I'll pull the discharge line off when there's no air in the system. Fire the truck up and put a piece of cardboard or paper at the discharge and see if it's spitting any oil, which could indicate uh, uh, the air compressor starting to fail. Uh, other than that, that's about it. Yeah. And, or if there's simply a lot of miles on it, replace it. I don't know if it got replaced during a rebuild or not.
8: It's been. I've replaced it once, but I don't recall how, how many miles ago it was. I do know it's. It's putting just a little bit of oil into the wet tank.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's an indication the air compressor's on its way
0: out. Okay.
8: Now, changing, changing to the T5 oil, would that have any effect on, on the lead going up? It really shouldn't.
0: You know, the—, the, the But I was it, thinking I was going to a better oil. You are. Synthetics are better, so we, we don't see more wear. The Again, I'll go back to if you already have wear on an engine and it's burning oil, when you put synthetic in, you can expect to burn more, but it still protects gotcha. better. It, it is a superior oil and it protects better, so I, I don't think you have an oil issue here. I would stick with the T5, but I, I would um, it might be a good time to replace the compressor. It sounds like it could have an awful lot of miles on it. Um, and other than that, I would just watch this lead number, and if it keeps going up, I might inspect bearings.
1: Okay. We'll do. It's nice the sampling. It gives us a head, heads up before there's a major problem.
0: Yeah, we're way you're way ahead of yep. the curve on this. If it is bearing metal, we're seeing this is the very, very beginning of it. Gotcha.
2: Okay. Well, I'll I'll
8: keep an eye on it and keep keep doing what I'm doing. And-
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Washington. Rod, welcome. How are you doing today, guys? Good. What's on your mind?
12: Uh, a couple comments for a couple of the callers. One for the gentleman that's putting the APU on. I have a carrier unit, but it still has the Kubota. Um, I do my oil changes. It's a pretty close to once a year. It's plus or minus a thousand hours, plus or minus about twenty-five hours a year.
0: Do you have the? And I don't know if he'd ever. Do you have the two-cylinder or the three-cylinder?
12: The three-cylinder.
0: Okay, good the three-cylinder. And, uh, some, and somebody just sent me this. I didn't know this, but I'm going by somebody that that sent me a text. Um, the three-cylinder, I guess, runs at a thousand RPM less than the two-cylinder. That's pretty significant.
12: That, I don't know. I've just always done mine. Like, once a year in July, I do it, and it's usually anywhere from 1,000 to 1,050 hours.
0: That's pretty hard to go wrong there.
12: And if he's doing, if he's thinking of an OPS, even though I've got one on this truck, I had one on my last truck, I don't think he'd ever make his money back on it because an oil change, if you do it yourself, you're talking, it's three and a half quarts of oil. You're talking less than a gallon of synthetic oil and about $45 of filters.
0: Yeah. No, I, I So I, I, at $90, I get bucks, it, right.
12: how many years would it take to pay for <laughs> that <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh Ten. Ten years. Exactly. Right.
12: So as far as th- that's what I would suggest that just works out like nice. Well, and here. honestly. And yes, I do
0: it more frequently
12: I, than they recommend because Carrier recommends 2,000 hours. I just like doing it a 1,000.
0: Yeah, see, I, I would go with the manufacturer's recommendation. If they're calling for 2,000 hours, there is no way I would do it sooner. I might even do it later. I might go longer than sure. they recommend, but I, I, I wouldn't see any reason to ever do it sooner. You know what would be interesting? Somebody that's, that maybe you or somebody, um, that's cutting the recommendation in half, which is a, that's a big cut. I'd love to see an oil sample. I bet it's really, really clean.
12: Sure. And somebody like Jackie might have a good number, too. She, I believe she runs a Thermal King, but I believe it's still got the three-cylinder Kubota in it. Um,
0: yeah, Jackie's an outlier, though. Jackie's had an OPS for about 15 years, and she still changes her oil every 15,000 miles.
12: I, I know we've had this <laughs> discussion on, on different groups about it. Yeah,
0: so she's an outlier.
12: Um, so, And then my other suggestion was for the next caller after they had the Volvo. If I'm not mistaken, I believe, and Joel might correct me on this, I thought he posted the other day on the newer Volvos that death usage is somewhere in the 5 to 8% range. Oh, I don't on know. On the newest models.
0: I'll ask him that.
12: So that, I mean, that could talk, attribute to this guy having higher usage of death. Yeah. And then as far as the overhead, like mine, I've got a VG, an older VGT motor, a 2017. I do my overhead once a year. Um, I finally found Patrick... Filming out in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, Russell Brothers, I cannot give him enough credit and enough good words for people to go to him. Good. And skip the dealers because he's cheaper, he's by the book, and he's a stickler for everything. And with the exception of when Kenny at Ploeger did my first overhead on this truck when it was brand new, he did it at like the 100,000 miles. Other than that, this truck has never ran and sounded as well as it does after having Patrick and his boys do it good. last July.
0: Good. Love so that. So
12: that's something for people to keep in mind. He's he's a fantastic kid to work with.
0: All right, love it.
12: Other than that, that's all. I just had those couple comments. Mainly, I, okay. I initially called because the OPS on the yeah on the yeah. APU. I thought you'll never pay for it, bud. Well, if you want to, great. But
0: well, you know, if you if you think about it, had had I put an OPS on this coach when I first got it, and I've had it a long time now. There's a good chance I may not have changed the oil ever, but sure. I still right. wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't be breaking even yet because it doesn't cost me all that much to change my oil and it's not that hard and I just don't put enough miles on this. So for me, it right. was, now if it was an easy install, I would have just done it. Nothing is easy on this one. I'd, I'd have to tear the whole bedroom right. apart. I mean, there's just, there's just. I guess I could it into that same compartment where my, um, full flow filter is. Maybe I will. It's not a bad idea. I might. I don't know. But you're you're right. There there are some cases where it's certainly nice protection on the engine. We're going to keep the oil really clean. We're not going to have to do any oil changes, but we may not even break even. And that would be the case on that Kubota. You'd probably never break even.
12: And that's where it comes down to where you've talked about the different fuel, fuel things, like the hydrogen and all that bullshit is Yes, you might save here or there, but total yeah. cost of ownership is more, so it's not worthwhile to do as a business.
0: Right. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to California. Andrew, welcome. Hey, guys. How you guys doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, hey, I
11: just wanted to see if you guys were informed by uh, Horizon, because I wasn't until last Friday, that their system has been down. They didn't get my sample in. For quite some
6: time
0: because their system had crashed uh oh did the chinese hack them
11: you know what i also i asked that question my <laughs> wife's work's been having problems it's been going crazy
0: yeah that you so, know
11: so i just
0: oh i'm sorry go ahead well i saw a headline last night um and I, I've just been really busy since then, but there was some supposed to be some sort of massive cyber attack by the Chinese on the U.S. infrastructure. But then I checked headlines this morning, and I didn't see anything about it. Yeah, I couldn't
11: find it either after you mentioned that yesterday. I went and immediately started
0: looking for it, and I couldn't find any information on it either. The The original report came through Fox. And I saw the headline, and it yeah. was there. There weren't a lot of details, but then since then, I've seen absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's exactly what I found out. It Came up, uh, bump with no news whatsoever on it. Huh. Hey, Pete, any any word from the labs on your end?
1: No, I, I knew they were down um, earlier this week. Eric had mentioned or last last week that they were down because he was getting. Um, it, they will send us. Um, if someone's oil sample is bad, they send it to us, and then we call the customer. We weren't getting any in, so Eric followed up. They said their system was down, but um, they were going to get it back up and running quickly. So I don't know if it's still down or not. I have to check with Eric on that.
0: Got it. All right, um, Andrew, I'm going to cut you loose. Thanks for the heads up on that. You had a really noisy line, though. Let's uh, let's go to Missouri. Brandy, welcome.
13: Thanks, Kevin. Um, I have a question. As sort of an observation, and I and I don't think I'm the only one that probably thinks this way. You have said yesterday and today, and I think maybe last week, that a warning. I'm going to be taking a week off or so. As a full-time driver, uh, talk radio is what takes you across miles and miles of high. I know you've got your live stream or the stream that you constantly plays. I personally like listening to you live because there's live drivers at the time. And I learn things here and uh, just dread hearing you're going to be gone for a week and then thinking, where am I going to get – where am I going to go to next? And I'm just thinking, okay, for a business into Tuesday's show, uh, how does that affect business? Because when you you go away, it does seem that the calls don't seem to come in like they normally do. You take a whole week off. How does that affect it, business? And I think it, there's truth to this because you can see that other shows that youth host, people don't listen because they're not, those, they're not the people that they want to listen to. So they go to somebody else, and somebody else is getting their business. And I just kind of wonder, where that happen?
0: It doesn't, we have loyal – I'm a loyal listener. I, and it's, it's kind of why I've been warning people that it's coming because I, I people get, and look, I'm flattered by this. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about it, but, but when I take just one day off, I get all kinds of emails and messages all over the place. Why are you off? I missed you today. I, I love that, but I'm at the point where I really need some time off. I don't take time off that often, and you are right. When we do, when I take time off, um, when I come back, the first several days of the show will be slower. I won't have nearly as many calls and our store sales will slow down in the week that I'm off. So I I know it affects business Uh, and and I know it upsets people and I don't do it that often, but I'm at the point where I need a week off. I just really do. And I'll come back better and and I'll be fresh. And I've got a lot of ideas that I'll probably work on during that week. If I feel like it, if I don't feel like it, I'm just going to goof off because I I just, I just need some downtime.
13: I remember when you on Sirius, and I very the, think the same the very next day how quickly you were on and I just I was there and it's like you've always been there and uh, it's it's been very nice and just when you're gone it's like
0: uh, you, you know what read it. you know what I always say I'm going to do I, I always say before I take a week off I will record five one hour monologues. Because there's always something I could do a monologue about, or I could recap the news or something. But the problem is, I never really plan my time off. My time off tends to happen when I get so burnt out that I just need some time off. And at that point, there's no way I'm going to sit down and try to record five hours of monologues. I
13: listen to other shows, and they have this same feeling, too. They'll call them evergreen. They've recorded shows right, for right for this specific this specific time, and it's good to know that they know that we know we don't like it. And yeah,
0: just, I, I I just I realize that, and I and I don't like to take a lot of time off, and it does uh, or it will hurt our sales, and it will hurt our calls for a week or so, and um, but I'm at that point. It's just it's time. Right.
13: Well, I
0: just want to voice it. I I. I really don't think I'm the only one that feels this way. And uh, No, yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. Like I say, I'm, I'm flattered by it. I try not to, you know, every once in a while when I, I'll just take a day off and I'll, I'll get blasted by somebody and they won't even be nice about it. And and it, you know, at first I get annoyed. And then I think, boy, that's a dumb thing to get annoyed about. People miss you. They want you on the air. I should not get annoyed about that. Yeah. You're responsible
13: for uh, commerce. Yeah, And go back and forth with your voice.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So. Well, thanks, Kevin. I y- do you're, appreciate you. You're welcome. And one of these times, maybe I will. De- you know, the problem with Evergreens, though, is it, mo- what other shows use as Evergreens, there'll be repeats over and over and over. It'll be like a best of show or something like that. We've never really built any best of shows. Um, and the problem with an evergreen for me, really, if I play a more than once, then people are just going to say, well, I've already heard that one. So if I want to take a week off, you know, I'd have to record at least five hours worth of material, which is a lot of work. It's actually much easier just to do five live shows, way easier to do five live shows than it is to try to record five hours of monologue. So... That's why I'm giving everybody plenty of warning. I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but it will be during Christmas or New Year's, whichever one makes the most sense. Um, I do want to take five full days off the show. so And, and there won't be any recordings or evergreens. It'll just be the, the live stream that we're playing. It, go back in, in the app. I'm sure there are some shows you've missed back in there somewhere. Go back and listen to those. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up for today. Pete, Leroy, anything you guys want to close with? No,
1: no. I mean, I can understand. you. And it's one Nice thing we have here if someone's off, we have someone else to cover. Yeah. And you're kind of a one-man band, so if you're off, there's no one to really fill in.
0: Yeah, when it comes to the show. Now, you know, our our plan moving forward, when we finish our broadcast app, we want to open our network up to other shows. We might reach out to other trucking shows, try to bring them onto our network. We may help people create a new show and put it on our network. And maybe, maybe I'll find somebody that could fill in for me when I take a week off. You don't take much time off. I really don't not off the show. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. That's every day. can't even remember the last time I took time off. I don't know when it was. Yeah. Well-deserved vacation. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. And this trip put me over the top. I mean, it's two months. I, I honestly do not feel like I've had a day off in two months.
1: Yeah, you've been on go the whole time.
0: Yeah, weekends I'm either driving or working on something. Or one Sunday I even did a a Twitter a long Twitter space because I had time. But it, it just it's really feeling like it's been a long time since so I've even had a day off.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of prep to show. I don't know if everyone realizes what's involved in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting home, and I'm looking forward to uh, some time off here in a little bit. Good. Hope you enjoy it. You deserve it. All right. Even if I don't, I'm taking it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will uh, see you guys next week. Thanks, Pete and Leroy, as always. If you have any other questions, you can always call Pittsburgh Power directly. We will see you back here tomorrow. It is a, as far as I know, it's a normal week for the show. I will... um, I'll probably be getting up really early tomorrow morning, like 4 or 4.30 and hitting the road. I'll probably get about three hours in, and then I'll stop somewhere. Where am I going to be? Maybe at the in the blues somewhere. Um, I'll stop and do the show tomorrow morning, and then I'll head home. And then Thursday and Friday will be live shows as well. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.